Well, good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? Good. Uh, yeah, it's an exciting morning. I can tell that last night must have been Halloween, uh, seeing the attendance. So hopefully some others are well resting right now. Uh, and so uh, if you're not comfortable with happy Halloween, happy Reformation, uh, I don't know if you know this pop quiz, but October 31st is also the day that Martin Luther pinned the 95 Theses on the church, allegedly. Uh, And so if you're not comfortable with Halloween, there you go. That's one thing to celebrate, the Reformation uh, on October 31st. So this morning, there's a lot of surprises for me. I love it. Uh, Yes, it, it was my one year, and I'm so excited that I get to celebrate that with you a few weeks ago. I, I threw myself a little bit of a pity party up here saying, you know what, every single week I sit in the front and nobody sits next to me. Uh, and it's true. If this is your first time, that's, this is not normal, all right? Typically, I sit in the front by myself and then I come up and I speak uh, and, and it works out. But, you know, and, and then today I look to my right and all of a sudden I, I have friends. So thank you, friends, uh, for helping me feel like I have friends. Uh, and so this week, we continue this series called Sustainable Faith. It's this idea that sometimes this journey of faith is difficult. Uh, it, it's straining. It takes work. It takes int- intentionality. Uh, and so this series for the next few weeks is about, all right, how do we step into that in a sustainable way? Uh, and we've been talking about this whole idea of inhale and exhale, that in our faith, to have a sustainable faith, there must be an inhale. And there must be an exhale. And what does that look like? And so we talk about uh, praying for others. That's, that's, an, that's an exhale. And, and then what do we do as we pray for others? Uh, we spend time in Sabbath. We talked about that last week. That's the inhale. We, t- we, we talked about the importance of reading scripture. That's the inhale. And, and then we understand that life is a journey in community, and that's the exhale. And, and so today we continue this talking about this idea that in our inhale of our sustainable faith, there must be a time, and I'm going to use this word, this word meditation. I know that this word meditation conjures up different responses and replies, but in our faith, if we want to make it a sustainable faith, our inhale is meditation. We inhale the Spirit of God. And the exhale, the byproduct of our meditation is how we love and how we speak to others. So it's the idea of meditation, and it's about truth-telling. Meditation and truth-telling. For the last few weeks, we were talking about these two items that doesn't seem like they go together very well, but when, in fact, when we dig into Scripture, there's two things that do, several couplets that do including meditation and truth-telling. And again, our, our text comes from Psalms chapter uh, 1, 1 through 6. And, and what we realize is as we talk about meditation, the importance of meditation and truth-telling is this, is number one, there's lies all around us. We're constantly filled with voices and messages and advertisements and social media stuff that tells us and feeds us on what to believe, how to think, how to live. There's lies all around us. So what do we do? We must delight in truth. And why? Because truth reveals truth. So that's the three things we'll be talking about today, that there's lies all around us, 
that we must delight in truth, and that truth reveals truth. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. We thank you that we get to be here and we get to encounter you in our own ways. God, there's so many people here that bring our own stuff. I bring my own stuff. And God, you love us unconditionally and you meet us right where we're at. So help us to think upon that. Help us to remember the promises and the messages that you feed into our hearts. And may that be the reason we live and we love and we treat others with that response. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Oftentimes I feel like when I'm here in the pulpit uh, that it's kind of my time of confession. And, and I love doing that because I want people to know that I'm human as well. And if you're friends with me, they're like, yes, you certainly are. Uh, that I make mistakes as well as much as anybody else. Uh, and for some reason, uh, there's been a few times where I treat this as kind of my confession booth. Uh, particularly around my experience in grocery shopping. I don't know what it is, but it's like my grocery store confession. And, and last time I told the story about how upset I got when I stood in the express lane and somebody had the audacity to have more than 15 items in their cart. And so I had to repent and ask for forgiveness there. And my second confession is just a couple weeks ago, I was going grocery shopping, and I remember there's one kind of rule of thumb when you go grocery shopping. And the rule is this, you never go grocery shopping while you are hungry, right? And I knew that deep down inside, I knew that, and yet I broke that rule. Because here's what happens. When you go to the store uh, while you're hungry looking to go grocery shopping, uh, you start hearing messages, right? You start believing in things that, that simply isn't true. And so the other day I went in, uh, the thing I had missing with, from my healthy dinner was sweet potatoes, okay? So I go into the grocery store, true store. And I'm saying, okay, I'm not even going to bring in a cart or a basket because all I want sweet potatoes to top off my delicious meal waiting for me at home. And so at this time, I'm starving, I'm hungry, I finally, I pick up my sweet potatoes, and then all of a sudden, I hear voices. Like, you know what voices I'm talking about. I walk past gummy bears, and I say, okay, so, you know, sweet potatoes and gummy bears, fine. And then I start to kind of hold the things, and then I see steak, ribeye steak, my favorite cut was on sale. And so, of course, then I have to pick it up. And so I pick up the steak, and, you know, now I'm carrying it. And this whole time I'm thinking, I came in here for sweet potatoes. And yet here I am carrying other things, and I kid you not, I got a can of Spam. Some of you guys love Spam. Some of us have a love-hate relationship with Spam. It's an acquired taste, believe me. Uh, and so here I am carrying all these things. And lastly, I go to the checkout line, and I saw this. Remember the hostess, like, fruit pies? The thing that has probably been on this shelf for about seven years, uh, and it's still good. And so I picked that up because I said to myself, I haven't had this in years. And here I am with candy and all these things, and I put it down, uh, and the grocery person asks me, did you find everything you needed? And I said, yes, I did. In fact, and more. 
And, and I do this all the time. And now I realize the important thing and, and the smart thing for me to do, and I did this just a couple days ago, is that anytime I think about going grocery shopping, uh, is that I make sure that I'm satiated. Uh, I eat some food, and then I go with my list. Because I know if I go grocery shopping while I'm hungry, I start to believe things. That just simply is no one should ever have to eat or want to eat the hostess apple pies. That just simply is not the truth. And yet somewhere along the line, as I went grocery shopping a couple weeks ago, I convinced myself these are the things that I need. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that's ever done this before. And although this is kind of a silly example, uh, but there's something about this that speaks into a little bit of our faith. So here's the deal. We all get hungry. That's that's, That's not a surprise. And yes, we all get hungry physically, right? That's why we have our several different meals a day. We get hungry physically. But we all inside of us have a deep hunger, a a longing to understand who we are. And in the midst of who we are is this question of meaning. What am I here for? And it doesn't matter what your faith background is. You can consider yourself a Christian, an atheist, and anything else. There's this universal condition as humans that asks this question, who am I? What brings me worth? And what the heck am I supposed to be doing while here living on this earth? It's a question of identity. And we're all hungry. We're all searching for these answers. And yes, depending on your faith or what you believe or what you don't believe informs that question. And in Psalms chapter 1, right off the back, it says... uh, It says, happy or blessed are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path of sinners tread or sit in the seat of scoffers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord. And it talks about different paths. And so when Psalms, the the entire Psalms of poems, uh, you know, there's so many of them. I encourage you to read through these. These were written over a span of like a thousand years addressing different events uh, of Israel's history whether it's captivity, slavery, famine, hardships, war, violence. And this psalmist in the very first chapter says, look, I know what you're going through. Look, I know that you've gone through so much, so much war, so much lies, so much tension. And the psalmist recognizes, well, really, at the end of the day, when you hit those pathways, you have two options. When you hear messages and lies and the things that the world convinces us of, we have two options. It's really simple. And we shouldn't overthink it. The psalmist says either you can go this way or you go this way. That's it, right? We're fed messages every day. And either, yes, we believe it and it changes how we live and how we love and how we treat others and what we believe about God. Or we don't believe it. And we just push it out. There's messages on TV where you need something. So we say, yes, we go and buy it. Or we say, no, we don't need that. Or there's messages in magazines or, or, or these self-help books saying, you need to look like this. And so you would say, yes, I'll go that way. Or you can say, actually, no, that's, that's not for me. Go the other way. 
And clearly in Psalm chapter 1, the psalmist, David, he is talking about two different paths that we can take. And what David is saying in the Psalms is that just to us today, I really believe this is just as relevant today as it was during this time when the Israelites were going through all their stuff. We come here and we believe messages about ourselves. And some are true and some are lies. And we get to decide which one is true and which one are lies. And the way that you decide that will change your life. And, because, and change the lives around the people around you. Because the reality is this. We need to hear the truth about ourselves. Yes, there's messages of lies all across the our platforms and our influences, but we really believe that as we scour the word of God, as we, as we pray, as we encounter God, that God has truths for us that we have to know, that we have to understand, that we have to have faith in. We need to hear the truth about us, and this is an important part, so that others can hear the truth from us. And this is the whole idea of inhale and exhale. We inhale the truths of who we are through listening to God. We inhale the reality of God's love by encountering who God is through the Spirit. And as we are conformed into God's beckoning in our lives and we receive and say yes, as a byproduct, others can hear truths from us. That is a time where God tells us and convicts us and shows us who needs encouragement, who needs accountability, who needs that word, who needs to be loved. But the problem is there's lies all around us. Blessed are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. I mean, that's the dilemma, isn't it? The, the, the dilemma is this. The first part is, if we want to speak encouragement and love and truth and accountability to others, we must first hear that ourselves from God. That's the way it works. It's like an ecosystem. We must know the truth about us in order for us to speak truth to others. And so the first part, then it begins with us, that we need to hear the truth, knowing that it, it transforms our lives, but also the lives of others. And that's the first problem, is that there's lies that we believe in. And you and I, we hear lies every single day. From, from how much money we should make. Everyone has advice, right? In Psalm chapter 1, it says, Blessed are those who walk in the way of righteousness and do not listen to the advice of evil and of sinners, of scoffers. This word advice, we get advice all the time. Here's the way you should look. Here's how much you should weigh. Here's how much you should make. Here's how you should dress. And oftentimes, there's these lies that that break us, that hurt us, that diminishes uh, our value as less than God's creation. You guys see the problem here? If we are to speak truth and love encouragement to others, we must be filled with that first. 
But if we're filled with the opposite of that due to the lies that we believe from the world around us, then in fact the opposite is also true. That the way, we love, the way that we love ourselves, what we believe ourselves, oftentimes is projected on others. So if we believe that we're loved by God, created as precious and perfect, we treat others in similar fashion. If we believe ourselves to be unworthy, unattractive, unlovable, shameful, whatever it is, then that is also then projected on others. And so it's important for us to decide which way is a route of truth and which way is a route of lies, the wicked. Because we get advice all the time. And it influences the way we view others. There was this, um, when I was, when Sarah uh, Odell and I, when we were planning our, uh, our racial reconciliation event, and it was called How to Speak to Your Children About Race. It was a powerful event, and I, and I loved it. Uh, and we were doing some research, and I was doing my own research, and, and I ran across this article with a video from, I think it was either BBC or some other news outlet, where they did this test. And it was called the Doll Test. And some of you guys may have seen it. When I watched it, it broke my heart to the core where they would invite little five-year-olds and eight-year-olds, several of them from all different ethnic backgrounds, from white, Asian, to African-American, to all across the board. And they would have them sit down in front of this table with dolls, as a doll, hence the doll test. And there was like five or six different dolls from a white doll, and then the skin complexion of these dolls got darker and darker and darker, and there was a white doll at one end, and there was a black doll on the other end. And there were a series of questions that were asked to these little five-year-olds, such as, which doll is the, the smart doll? And each child, would, majority of them, would point at the white doll. And then there would be a question of, which one is the, the beautiful doll? And again, the children would go to the white doll. And then which one is the bad doll, the ugly doll? And each kid would start to go to the right, to the darker-skinned dolls. And what was fascinating to me in this whole experiment was that this was true as far as what the, what the kids picked, the, the white dolls and black. This was true for the white children, but it was also true for the black children. That the answers didn't actually change. The answers, whether you were white or black or Asian or whatever in between, would pick the white doll as the smart one, the beautiful one. And the opposite for the others. See, the dangerous reality when it comes to understanding truths about ourselves is that what we believe about ourselves often determines what we believe about others. Do you see what's happening? Somewhere along the line, these children has, have been lied to, have been conditioned to believe that there's one skin color that is more beautiful, more smart, more likable than others. 
I mean, even the Asians and the darker children and the African-American children picked the white doll to be the smarter, the, the better doll. Because somewhere along the line, they were convinced and persuaded and misinformed and believed in this lie that our society, that our media teaches. And the danger of that is what we believe about ourselves We believe about others. When we believe, or if we believe a painful reality about ourselves, that we're not the smart one, that we're not the beautiful one, that we're not the likable one, that we're actually on the other spectrum of that, that changes the way we love others. I remember last year, or maybe about a year and a half ago, I went to see my counselor. I have a therapist that I work with, and, uh, and I remember I was, being, I was really upset with somebody. And, and I was telling my counselor that, man, I was, I was like, look, I'm so angry. I'm so skeptical of this person, of this individual. I'm so frustrated with this person. And not only am I frustrated with this person, but I'm frustrated with myself for allowing this person to be so frustra- frustrating to me. And I started using all these adjectives, okay? So when I see my therapist, it's like no holds barred. I can say whatever I want without shame or guilt. And I was using these adjectives, lazy, uh, you know, unforgiving, hard-hearted, what the, what is going on type of language. And my assumption is that my counselor would, would help me navigate that and say, yeah, yeah, you're right, but uh, let's talk about this. But instead, the response, I'll never forget, he says this. He looks at me and says, Prentice, as I was showing this, telling him all these adjectives, he looks at me and says, Prentice, let me ask you something. I said, yeah. He says, are these the things that you believe about yourself? Ouch. He says, are these the things that you believe about yourself? Because he also understood that Again, what we believe about ourselves is oftentimes what we believe about others. And I love in Luke chapter 6, he says, A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is already in your heart. There's lies all around us that we believe in. And the reality, the harsh reality is that when we believe in those lies, that affects the way we view others. And so then what's the antidote? The antidote is this, that we must delight in truth. In Psalms chapter one, verse two, it says, but their delight, so the opposite of the people that are following the ways of the wicked and the scoffers, their delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, they, may me- they meditate day and night. They meditate day and night. So they not only delight, but they meditate. That's the antidote to believing and living in this world of lies and, and false accusations uh, and false truths in order for us to love others better. And, and I love this idea of delight. In the Hebrew word, it's this word anag. And this word anag in Hebrew literally means to be delicate to. To be delicate to. Meaning be sensitive to what God might be saying to us. Be, be pliable 
Be sensitive is what the word delight means. And I love in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 through 9, this is the message version. Paul says this, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and what? And meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to be praised, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learn from me, what you've heard and saw and realized. Do that and God, who makes everything work together, will work in you into his most excellent harmonies. God wants to speak truths in you today. And are we delighting in God's law? Are we delighting in the spirit of God? Are we delighting in God's presence. Not just mean, are we happy? Are we, you know, do we find delight? Like we find delight in cheesecake, which I do. Uh, but delight as in, are you being sensitive to what God might have to say? Are we providing a space for us to be still and listen to what God might have to say to us, about us, in order for us to say that to others as well? Are we in a space where we are delighting, where God is able to give us the lens to see others the way God sees others as well? Or are we seeing people and others through our own lens? God wants to speak a truth in you and about you so that you can take that and speak truths to somebody else. In Psalm chapter 37, it says, take delight in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. This doesn't mean that God's going to be a magic genie and give you everything that your heart delights in, that your heart desires. When we are in tune with God, when we are being pliable, when we're being sent to the spirit and delighting in God, God gives us the desires of our hearts. Again, that doesn't mean everything that we desire, like the things, the the material possessions, the bigger house, whatever. That's not what Psalm chapter 37 says is saying. Psalm chapter 37 is saying when we delight, when we're connected with God, God gives us a new heart, like a, a, like a heart transplant, and not gives us the things that we want, but gives us desires of what we want in the first place. God gives us a heart that longs after himself. God gives us, when we delight in God, our heart transforms to see and want and long for and desire the things that God wants for us and through us as well. And so when we are in tune with God, when we're delighting and being sensitive to God's spirit, God fills us with even people that you need to talk to. Even the words that you need to say, even ways that you need to encourage others, even ways that you need to keep someone accountable or call out in truth and love and harmony. But that's only when our heart is pliable and sensitive. And the question is, okay, yes, the whole idea is to delight in God, to be sad. Well, how do we do that? How do we delight in the law? And that's through meditation. And again, as I said, as I opened up, the word meditation conjures up a variety of reactions. But I have to say meditation is all over the scriptures. It says meditate day and night, all throughout Joshua, all throughout the Old Testament, even the New Testament. Meditate 
on God's word, on who God is. And this whole idea of meditation, it conjures up different responses because there's different ways to meditate. And the biggest difference between meditation is this perspective of an Eastern view and a Western view. And there's a time and place for both. But the biggest difference between this Eastern view and this Western view of meditation is that this Eastern view of meditation is about detachment, right? And about emptying of ourselves, of being completely free of any thoughts, complete detachment. And then there's this Western view of meditation where it's actually the opposite of detachment. It's actually all about attachment. It's about filling ourselves, It's about being actually deeply connected, not disconnected. And the type of meditation that the scripture talks about often is not not the Eastern of the emptying of ourselves, but actually attaching ourselves. Creating a space to be still, to know, and to hear, and to speak with God. So then God can speak to us about ourselves and about others. See, when it says meditate here in Psalms chapter one and in several other verses, meditate is this Hebrew word, hagah. And hagah is like many other Hebrew words, uh, this thing we call an onomatopoeia. You guys familiar with what onomatopoeias are? It's a word that... uh, is a word that is used to call something that also it sounds like as well. So I'll give you an example of an onomatopoeia. The word splash is an onomatopoeia because it was derived because the sound it makes when something splashes or goes into the water. Oh, or the word clap. Clap is actually an onomatopoeia because when you clap, it kind of makes that sound, clap. Uh, and, and zip is another one. I love that one. Zip. When you, you know, when you zip something up, it makes that sound. Zip. It's an onomatopoeia. And, and in the Hebrew, they use a lot of onomatopoeias, and Hagah is one of them. And, and the literal translation of Hagah is describing the sound that it makes when a lion is over its prey. It sounds kind of vivid and vulgar. Uh, But it's this whole idea of when a lion is eating its prey and the sound that it makes is this sound to them is hagah. When a lion is over its prey. And and so when the Bible teaches about meditation, it's actually not about detachment. It's not about being disconnected or being empty. As a matter of fact, it's the opposite. The word hagah, meditation, it means take some space set aside for you to devour Literally, quite literally, devour what God might have to say. It is desperately seeking and searching for God's voice and God's truths. And that comes through prayer. That comes through the truths in the scripture. That comes through poetry. That comes through art. That Yes, that comes through people. That comes through journaling. But the whole idea is that are we taking time to de- A, to be sensitive to what God might be saying, to delight anag, to be sensitive. And, and the way that we become sensitive is to haggai, is to meditate. And again, it's not emptying of ourselves, but it's devouring, longing for, searching, desperately being broken, saying, God, what do you have to say to me? 
God, what do you have to say about me? God, what do you want me to say to others? But we must devour God. We must meditate. And it says day and night. I was meditating this morning when I was listening to the band rehearse. God, push me out of the way. God, will you speak to your church? God, what do you want me to say? What is God wanting to say to you? What is God saying about you? What lies do you need to release about yourselves? Famous theologian, one of my favorite authors, Thomas Merton, says, it can be said without fear of error that our meditation is as good as our faith. That our meditation is as good as our faith. In a world of lies feeding our souls, we must devour God's word through prayer, through people, through others. We must Haggah. We must delight in the truth. Because why? Truth reveals truth. In verse 3, it says, They're like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither, and all they do, they prosper. I love that part. They're like trees planted by the streams. See, what the author is describing here first are the solidness, the rootedness, and the groundedness of how strong and how powerful trees are. And But where do trees get their strength? Their roots reach all the way to the streams of water. Water is what feeds those trees. Water is what gives them strength. Water is what helps them yield fruits. And the Bible talks about fruit as a metaphor all the time because fruit is delicious. And fruit is meant to be shared. And fruit and food is meant to be experienced as a community. And so as we encounter lies and voices in our lives of what to, what to believe, what to, what to, how to dress, how to look, how to eat, how much money we should make, that in the midst of all of that, that we must ground ourselves by delighting in God's truth. And how do we do that? We meditate. We devour what God might have to say and, and, and grab the things and cling on to the truths that God has for us, because then it yields fruit. Then it helps others. Then others can hear from us and experience the deliciousness of the fruit that this source bears. But first you have to believe you are loved. You are blessed. You are worthy. That Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross because of his love, his unconditional love for you. Some of us, we have a hard time believing in that because of those lies that we believe. And now, if that's you, because oftentimes that's me, that is a time more than any other time where we need to delight and, and meditate scour, devour God's word in order for us to believe the truth about us. In order for us to love and speak truth to others. And as I invite the worship team back up, I want us to think about that. Who needs to hear the truth from us? 
You know, maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a coworker. And for some of us, maybe we need to step into this place of meditation, of prayer, of encountering the Spirit and saying, Spirit, who do I need to speak to? And maybe it's not all the positivity and the lovingness and and the kindness. Maybe it's a, a truth that's difficult. God, who do I need to speak a difficult truth to? Be pliable. This morning, I was going through this sermon. I was, you know, I wake up in the morning before the sermon, before church, and I try to memorize it as much as I can. And this morning, I was going through this season, this weird doubt. Like, God, am I, is this going to impact people? Is this, God, push me out of the way. I don't, I don't want to speak. I want you to speak through me. And I was going through my notes. I'm like, oh, man, I, you know, I was having this self-doubt. I was believing these lies. And I kid you not, I kid you not, I get a text as I was thinking that from a friend that said, hey, I'm listening to your sermon from June 4th. That was very encouraging. Thank you. What? As I was thinking that, it was this morning, just a few hours ago, and I get this text. June 4th sermon was really good. Thank you. I needed to hear that before I preached to you, my congregation. first starts with us as we tell the truth to others. I know that when we travel and we get on the flight, we sit down and there's this annoying, not annoying, I would say, there's, there's, a, there's this routine that we all go through. The flight attendant says, buckle your seatbelt and says, hey, in case of emergency, here's a mask for oxygen and then blah, blah, blah. And you kind of tune it out. And as I was thinking about that in this sermon, I'm like, man, that is deep. The flight attendant, is that's powerful, and here's why. She always says this, or he or she always says this. The, the, the oxygen mask, always put it on yourself first. Then you can help the children or the people around you. In a similar way, our faith is like that. Then the world of deceit, of so many messages, we are to delight. We first are to delight in the truth and to meditate the truths that God has for us. That's putting on our own mask, our own oxygen. We are inhaling. And then we exhale. And then we help others. And then we speak truths on behalf of others, believing that the Spirit is beckoning our hearts and our lips to speak to them. And so as we respond, there's this uh, thing in your bulletin. It says, the lie that I will let go of. And you can write whatever that lie is. What is that lie that you just, that pestering lie that is just not true? If it's antithetical to what the scripture says, it is not true. Do not own it. In the name of Jesus, do not own it. The lie I will let go of is, write that down. There's nothing magical about writing, but there's something powerful about it. Instead, the truth I will cling to is, what is the truth? There's so many truths about us in the Bible. God loves you unconditionally. God longs for you. God, you are God's uh, son, daughter of the Most High, the, the creator of the universe. And I don't say this flippantly. The creator of the universe 
loves you and has created you creatively and fearfully and wonderfully. Cling on to that truth. And the challenge is this. As you let go of that lie and hold on to that truth, challenge is this. Observe and make note of how this attitude shift changes the way you love and speak to others. Because I guarantee you it will change because reality, again, is what you believe about yourself, you believe about others. What you believe about yourself is what you believe about others. Encourage people because you are encouraged. I'm gonna pray for us. I want you to think about this and we'll respond in song. God, thank you so much for your word, for us to just devour the truth that you have for us in order for us to make a difference and speak truth of encouragement, of accountability to others. Remind us of what is real and what is lies and help us to take the path of reality so that your love may overflow in us and through us. In your name we pray.